Hello and welcome to Always College Football. It is Sunday. We are just a couple days away from Halloween. And I figured this is the only appropriate way for you guys to understand what the broadcast life is like. You think it's a big, luxurious lifestyle, right? Like, it, it feels that way to an extent. And then you realize that it's pouring down rain in Louisville, Kentucky. And you want to get home at a reasonable enough hour. So you hop in the car, get on I-65. And I am now in the home of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Bowling Green, shout out to the tops. I feel like going to the student union and grabbing myself a you know, a little little big red sweatshirt or something, but I'm gonna resist the urge. It's literally right there. And I am in a Wendy's parking lot. They are not a sponsor of the show, but I will acknowledge that the breakfast baconator is phenomenal. Huge fan. Not a sponsor. That's a freebie for Wendy's. All right, let's talk about what happened yesterday. Georgia, yesterday, if there's a theme. If there's a theme, it's they are who we thought they were. That's the theme of yesterday, right? Georgia, they're the real deal. They are who we thought they were. Amazing performance. Oh, Brock Bowers is gone. It's not they're not going to be the same. Florida's dangerous. Fair enough. Florida might be dangerous. Georgia's dangerous. <laughs> With or without Brock Bowers, that's for sure. Okay? Game number two involving the Ohio State Buckeyes. Kind of a tricky road spot, right? Not not exactly an easy place to play, coming off a potential hangover game. All those things taken into account. And Ohio State goes on the road, has maybe their B-minus game. Cord doesn't exactly do a great job as far as ball security. It was kind of just a sloppy performance all around, but the defense continues to play at an insanely high level. And Ohio State finds a way to get it done in Madison. That's a good win. I, I know, look, Wisconsin's maybe not as good as I anticipated they'd be. Maybe some of you guys felt the same way I did. I thought Wisconsin was going to have this offensive revolution. And it hasn't materialized just yet. But it's really impressive to see what Ohio State was able to do in shutting them down the way they were able to shut them down. Ohio, uh, Ohio State, they're, they're the real deal. I can't wait to see where they end up in the polls because them in Florida state without question have the best resumes. No doubt. Right. Maybe you push back on that a hair. Maybe you feel like, uh, I mean, I don't even know who else would be in the mix with the resumes after Oklahoma's loss more on that in a minute, but it's going to be really interesting to see on Tuesday who's number one. And we'll, we'll discuss that obviously on Monday's edition of always college football, Florida state, wake forest, Difficult team to play against. Wake Forest has given Florida State all sorts of issues defensively for a while now. Was not obviously an issue on Saturday. Complete domination from start to finish. Up 34-7 at halftime. Cooking with gas, man. Awesome. Washington. I don't know at this point, and you guys are going to have to tell me. Because I, I, really, I really don't know. At what point are we starting to become a little concerned about Washington's defense? Is that a is that a real concern at this moment, or is Stanford actually better than we thought? Because we thought Stanford and all the yards that they were able to accumulate against Colorado and the second half performance against Colorado, we thought that was almost indicative of Colorado, right? Well, Stanford's not bad. Stanford's dangerous. We put them on our giant killer list. 
Stanford's kind of dangerous, tricky, sleepy night game. They're obviously at, uh, on the farm, and and it was just a an odd game. Now Washington obviously has great offensive firepower. I I I don't think anyone will push back on that. And Penix continued to play at a pretty high level. Didn't miss a throw or two. But at what point are we starting to become concerned about the defense? Because it's now multiple games in a row now in which I don't feel like the defense has really done what they need to do. So, hey, good win. Take it. You're on the road in the Pac-12. There's one thing we've learned about the Pac-12. It's deep. There's a lot of parity. And it's a survive and advance situation. Washington did. And they now completely set their sights ahead to what's down the road. Team number six, the Oklahoma Sooners. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, we told you so. I'm not. <laughs> there will be a lot of shows that will do that, by the way, um, that tout their, their picks and tout their projections and tout their breakdowns about how great they are as picking games. While totally acknowledge, but totally disregarding what they got wrong, we will not do that. But I did have concerns about Oklahoma and conversely Oklahoma State, who handled their business and took care of of Cincinnati. I was concerned about both teams' focus level coming into this weekend. That's not to take away from what Kansas did at all, because Kansas did everything that you could possibly want and some after halftime. As they went into the half, it felt like things were starting to become unraveled, didn't it? It felt like Oklahoma had figured out the Jayhawks and that they were starting to kind of find their way a bit and they had some momentum. And they scored 21 unanswered points at one point there in the second quarter. So I was starting to sit there and think, all right, this thing's going to get a little sideways. We were starting to prepare for our game. We were doing Duke-Louisville. And I'm like, all right, well, Oklahoma, they, they should be okay. But it was a slow start, a concerning start. Well, now as we fast forward, we acknowledge just how good Kansas is first and foremost. And second of all, that was not about a lapse in focus. I didn't, anticipate, I didn't view it that way. I think a lot of people will say, well, that was a look-ahead spot. That was a flat spot. I don't agree with that. Oklahoma maybe didn't start great, but you have to give credit to Kansas with how they performed early on. Oklahoma responded beautifully, and then Kansas made the adjustments after halftime to figure it out, especially in the fourth quarter. So Oklahoma, hey, Oklahoma's in great shape. One loss, 7-1 overall. It'll be interesting to see how they factor in because those one-loss teams after five from team six to team whatever, on Tuesday night when they release the rankings, going to be fascinating because Oklahoma still, as of right now, has the best win amongst the one-loss teams. But it's obviously a little different now with how Oregon played on the road at Utah. More on that game in just a minute. Texas took care of their business. Great win against BYU. Uh, everyone super concerned about the quarterback situation. Everyone's super concerned about what's going on with the Longhorns. They're fine. <laughs> if there's one thing we found out yesterday, with all due respect to BYU, that was a significant gap between the two as far as talent is concerned. Oregon had the most impressive performance of the day. And you had kind of wondered, at least 
I had a little bit, right? Utah had played against a couple of teams that were good. I'm not taking anything away from Utah. I'm, I'm a huge Utah fan. I love Kyle Whittingham. I love their program. But I think we became a little bit reactionary, if you will, to Utah's performance offensively against USC. I know I did. I got this one wrong because I thought Utah would be able to manufacture some points. I thought they'd be able to do a decent enough job at the line of scrimmage running the football to make life difficult on Oregon. Not, not that they would necessarily win the game, but that it would be a lot more competitive than it was. But it was a bit of smoke and mirrors because Utah had beaten some teams that just weren't quite up to the standard of what's expected amongst playoff contenders. And Oregon sent a message. That was awesome. Awesome. Clean performance. Bucky Irving was great. Bo Nix was great. The defense was terrific. It felt like every time Bryson Barnes and I... (laughs) Another peek behind the curtain of the broadcaster world. I have... And if you guys check my Twitter, at Greg McElroy, you'll see a video... Of, of my screen setup in the game. I had Oregon, Utah in the bottom right corner of the quad box is what we call it. And I was watching that game, you know, a decent, a decent majority in the breaks and things like that. Every time I saw an Oregon player, it was like they had tons of room and space. Every time Utah was on offense, there was no room, <laughs> no space. So I have not watched the tape just yet, so I can't break it down in its entirety. But based on what I saw in the intermediate moments between when Duke had a punt or a Louisville had a punt or a, a commercial break, what have you, it did not look competitive. And that's a really, really good win for the Oregon Ducks. Excellent. Penn State, woo! Nail-biter. Nail-biter. Now, I've kind of been outspoken about the fact that I think Penn State's really average right now, I think they have a high ceiling and they have good talent, but there's just something missing. They don't have the horsepower offensively that you want to have. What I did think, though, is they had an elite defense and they did not have their best stuff, obviously, against Indiana. So I'm, I'm, this is one of those, a hey, hangover scenario, not going to lose a lot of sleep over it if I'm a Penn State fan, but I even, I might have less confidence in them being competitive down the stretch against the toppest, but against the highest tiers of college football as they move forward. So a bit of an eye opener for the Penn State Nittany Lions, but Good win, nonetheless. A win in conference is always a good win. We will give them credit for that, even though it was not a real pretty win as they took care of the Hoosiers. Oregon State, curse of the 10. I'm sorry, Oregon State. It's our fault. It's definitely our fault. I'm sorry for that. Uh, We put you at number 10 last week. That's now four weeks in a row in which the number 10 team has lost. It's our fault. But we kind of... In an effort to maybe keep the curse of the 10 going, maybe that's why we had Oregon State at 10. No, I'm not. I'm, that's not true. But let's just perpetuate the narrative. Arizona took care of us. Arizona's been playing really high-level football. 
for several weeks now. So the fact that they got the win at home was not entirely shocking. But Oregon State still is a team that I think has a lot of opportunity moving forward. That was just going to be a tough game. And Arizona, it's actually pretty amazing to me how many teams lose their quarterback and actually get better. That's not a knock on on Jaden Delara. It's it's not a knock on on other teams that have maybe experienced this before. But Noah Fafita is just more predictable. Jaden Delara is kind of a runaround, can't contain him, a little bit off the rails. Fun to watch, but kind of unpredictable. And Noah Fafita kind of stays within the offense. He understands where he fits makes plays, can do some of the things that Jaden Delora does, not to the same extent, but they have now improved drastically on both sides of the ball with Noah Fafita in the game. And to think you lose your starting quarterback, you're going to regress significantly. That's what most people would assume. I would too. And that's been almost the opposite for Arizona. So pretty remarkable performance from them getting a win against Oregon State. Arizona now in the prime position to get to natural bowl eligibility, but actually elevate some, man. They're doing a great job there in Tucson. Ole Miss handles Vandy. Nothing to see there. Uh, no disrespect to Vandy. Thought they'd be able to generate and manufacture a few more points than, than they did. They didn't. Uh, so <laughs> Ole Miss takes care of business quickly there. Ole Miss, by the way, circle that game in a couple weeks. Ole Miss, Georgia is going to be an interesting one a couple weeks from now. Pitt. They could not carry over some of the momentum created from winning against Louisville a couple weeks ago. They have now fallen flat, pits back to earth, while Notre Dame, how many of you thought Notre Dame, raise your hand if you thought Notre Dame had firepower. I I did not. I know Notre Dame's a physical team, I know Notre Dame's a, a team that it will pound you, but that was pretty dang impressive. Flores gets things going through the air. Like he's been a really nice addition as the season's gone along. They got to find, I think, a few more playmakers on the perimeter. But that's a good win for the Irish as they handle their business. North Carolina. Oh, I wish I could say. I wish I could say we we saw it coming. We we didn't. I thought I thought North Carolina would have a bounce back. Why are we so dumb? (laughs) Georgia Tech's been dangerous all year, starting with week one against Louisville. They've been dangerous all year. A couple weeks ago, we had kind of talked about how Georgia Tech against Miami, they're one of those teams that just will never, ever give up. They're They're an ultimate effort team. Brent Key has those guys playing for 60 minutes. And they've been one of those teams that's kind of a giant killer for us for several weeks. And there you are, North Carolina sitting there up 10 in the fourth quarter. Ah, They're in good shape. Everything's good. No problem. Exhale. Not against Georgia Tech. (laughs) Do not do that against Georgia Tech. Miami found out the hard way, and now North Carolina has found out the hard way in consecutive years. They're unable to get the win in Atlanta, and North Carolina's ACC hopes are now on life support as a result. So very, very difficult performance, knowing that they had control of that game with a double-digit lead with only a few minutes left to play, and a few minutes, 
eight or nine, however many it was. Just a disappointing finish there for the Tar Heels, and the wheels are starting to come off for Mac Brown's squad as they move into the month of November. Louisville, I had not seen them in person in a while. Um, they handled their business against Duke. And Duke was without a couple offensive linemen. Riley Leonard, I thought, actually looked pretty healthy in the game. His accuracy is still just a little bit off from time to time. I wonder if the ankle has an effect on that. But if you watch Louisville in person, Jawar Jordan is amazing. They're running back. He is amazing. He has so much juice and electricity every time he touches the ball. You know how you just watch a game sometimes and you're there and you almost have to see it in person. Watching it uh, on television or on the tape, you acknowledge that a guy is fast, right? Like you, you can tell sometimes, oh, that guy's got great speed. But then when, they, when you see them in person, their explosiveness is just different. I'm trying to think of an example that maybe more people have possibly seen in person and, and maybe not a lot of people have seen Louisville, what have you. I highly encourage you to spend a little time this week watching Jawar Jordan. His explosiveness is different. It's just different. And he's not a big guy at 180, 195 pounds, 190 pounds or so. But man, he is electric. Such an impressive player. And they get a good, convincing win against Duke and their defense, too, man. Louisville's defense is no joke, especially the defensive line. That's That group is collectively the real deal. Air Force takes care of business against Colorado State in impressive fashion. The race for the New Year's Six and the G5 is continuing to get more and more, I would say, an interesting uh, survival mode from Tulane getting it done on the road at Rice. Rice has been decent and dangerous, but they were able to survive. Memphis was able to survive. It, it's kind of a wild time in the G5 right now. Tennessee goes on the road to Kentucky, bounces back a little bit. Joe Milton did hit a couple throws down the field. Thought Devin Leary actually played decent and gave him a chance. But either way, it was just not enough for Kentucky to ultimately pull off what would have been a slight upset Tennessee at least figured out some of their road woes. They had struggled for a while on the road, but they looked pretty good, at least in the first half for sure, offensively, en route to a nice victory on the road. They, of course, now set up really well to kind of make a stretch run. If you look at Tennessee's back end, there's a lot of opportunity for them to make some noise in the SEC East, but beating Georgia is going to be a really tall task. UCLA handles their business against Colorado. At first, it was not looking great for UCLA, and then they got the run game going just a little bit, started to figure some things out with Ethan Garbers. Uh, he didn't play great, but he did, I think, a lot of nice things throughout the game. USC continues to just make you want to pull your hair out. Um, I could not watch this one, full disclosure. No disrespect to the Pac-12 network. Didn't have it in my Louisville hotel room. Uh, was desperately trying to watch that game and actually found myself listening on SiriusXM to the play-by-play -play of what was going on. And if you actually go back and listen to the USC play-by-play, -play, the announcers sound about as frustrated as I think just about anybody else would be watching that team play. The ups and downs are just difficult to wrap your head around. 
So it, it and James Madison to round out the top 25, they took care of business against their in-state rival, uh, ODU. But it was an awesome day of college football. And for, for a day where there were only two ranked matchups, neither of the two ranked matchups delivered. Louisville handed their business against Duke, and obviously Utah did not play well against Oregon, and Oregon did an amazing job. For there only being two ranked matchups, there was a lot of really interesting results. A lot. And we'll help break them down a little bit more as we move forward in the week for Always College Football. I'm Greg McElroy from a Wendy's parking lot here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Thank you for being with us. I'm going to continue my drive down I-65 South. Might stop in Nashville for a, for a quick bite to eat. If anyone wants to come see me, I'll be there in about an hour and a half. Uh, so <laughs> thank you all for being with us. We appreciate you. We'll be back again tomorrow. Give you our 10 takeaways from the weekend, 10 things we've learned. And we will continue to get you ready for week 10 of the college football season. Y'all, we're, we're coming to a close here pretty soon. It's a little depressing. It's, it's just, I love this part of the college football season because it gets so interesting and intriguing, but I also see the light at the end of the tunnel where college football potentially goes away in like a month, and that's pretty depressing. But we will make the most of the next 30 days. I can promise you that. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark and Jack and Jake, I'm Greg. We hope you have a terrific day, and remember, it's Always College Football.